you weren't just born in church and coming to church just because God has a purpose for us. And are we ready to accept the call? And welcome back to another episode of Pew Babies, your apostolic millennial podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Mike, the apostle to the food. And there's a storm out on the ocean and it's moving this way. If your soul is not anchored in Jesus, you will surely what? Drift away. Drift away. Drifted. Mama. (laughs) Some of y'all are just like, okay. But anyway, I'm so happy to say that we have a special guest co-host with us today. Welcome to Pew Babies. If you don't mind just introducing yourself and just giving us your like your Pew Baby story. All right. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Jet. I am a Pew Baby of 28 years and counting. Been in church my whole entire life. I'm not going to say I've known the Lord my whole entire life, but I've been in church my whole entire life. My father started off as a, a pastor. Um, he pastored when we were young. I don't know how many years because we were young. And now he's just a, an elder um, at the church he attends. Not just an elder. I didn't mean it like that. If that my dad is listening. Um, he's an elder at the church he attends. <laughs> so growing up, of course, with my father being a pastor, I just remember all the, the late nights, mm. all the McDonald's. <laughs> That we uh-huh. ate growing up. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about it now. I said, this is probably where Crohn's disease came from. All that McDonald's we ate growing up. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, growing up in church has been my biggest savior in a sense, because like where I am now, the prayers of my father and mother and all the other people from the church definitely um, kept us, kept me um, thus far. I'm not going to say I'm one of the ones, you know, who has been a consistent churchgoer or been consistent with the Lord, Mm -hmm. but I've never strayed away to the point where I acted like I didn't know who the Lord was, if that makes sense. Um, You know, I've been through, you know, college, things like that, but I never, you know, said, you know what, forget this. You know, this is not for me. I've always stayed close because I knew I needed to stay close. (laughs) Right. Being a church all those days, all those hours. Now it's just um, easier to get through most things, especially because I know better for one. And two, my father taught me and my siblings a lot about hanging in there, especially despite, you know, what our friends are doing, what others are doing. Because growing up in the church, you have a lot of church friends. And when you get older, you realize it might be just you and one or two other people. And that's kind of how it is now, like with right. people I've grown up with. It's just just a couple of us hanging in there. 
Sister Jack, I'm gonna stop you right there. Go ahead. Because go ahead. you're gonna get into my subject and I don't oh, know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the Lord. But, you, but you were in the right house because very similar. Well, we're all pure babies. Amen. amen. So before we jump into all of that, I did have an opener for this week. Um, and I wanted to try a new opener called Lyrically Correct. So these are kind of old style songs that I feel like we kind of fudge or sometimes the words don't really make sense. So we'll see what you guys know. The first one, I got a telephone. What's the rest of the words? In my bosom. Yes. I got a telephone in my bosom. I've never, ever heard of that. (laughs) Jesus on the bay line. Tell her what you want. That's the beginning of (laughs) I only know those words. Well, I'm glad because I, I'm going to be honest, y'all. I was like, why are we saying this? Why are we saying I got a telephone in my bosom? Right. <laughs> like, it wasn't added I mean, people, up. Some people do. I, mean, I guess we're not going to go there. <laughs> All right. So the next one is living. He loved me. Dying. He saved me. Buried. He carried my sins far away. Rising. He justified. Read me forever. One day he's coming that glorious day or back glorious day. Okay. So you said rising. He justified what? I don't even know. What did I say? Rising. He just freed me forever. Yes. Freed me forever. So <laughs> that's what I thought it was too. I'm going to be honest. I looked up the, the lyrics and it says rising. He justified freely forever. Ah, yeah. I, I guess that kind of makes more sense. He justified freely forever. I don't know. But if every if everybody's singing free me forever, then we all correct saints because I really don't know if that's what they're saying. I just thought I really have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we on one accord, I think it's okay. All right. Amen. <laughs> so the next one, Lord lift me up and help me stand. Dot 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 dot. Okay, sorry, it's too many dots. <laughs> Can we get another word after stand? Okay, Lord, lift me up and help me stand. What I'm about to say is not going to make sense. Like, I know the melody, but I never knew the words. Okay, go ahead. My faith forever, table stand. Did you say table stand? (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. Nobody knows what these words are. That's why the music covers it on purpose. That's why we don't do these songs a cappella anymore. Not the music covering. <laughs> do you have a guess? Do I have a guess? Yeah, Lord lift me up. Help me stand. I have no idea. I've never heard that. Okay. Oh, okay. So Lord lift me up, help me stand. By faith on heaven's table land. Table, table stand was close. Table stand. Hey, I'm Good, job, Mike. Good job. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Where do you get these songs from? These are old, old back in the day songs, though. Mm. It, it took me a while because I was like, what is table land anyway? But it also it means <laughs> <laughs> plateau, apparently. So by faith mm. on heavens. By faith land. on heavens. Oh, wow. Well, let's try to be locally correct, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, do you have any church announcements for us? I do. I do. I do. First and foremost, we just want to welcome you again to the P-Babies podcast, your millennial apostolic podcast. Um, You can catch us on your favorite streaming app, whether it's Apple, Spotify, 
Stitcher, uh, wherever you're listening to in your car, please subscribe and like it if you're on Facebook and follow us if you're on Instagram. Um, so our first announcement, First Lady Karen Clark Sheard makes money moves. Four-time Grammy winner Karen Clark Sheard has inked a deal with Motown Gospel in partnership with her own faith-based record label, Karen Records, who is set to drop a new album later this year. And in a statement, it says, I am honored and excited to partner with Motown Gospel. So shout out to Lady Karen Clark Sheard. You guys have any thoughts on that? So she's starting her own record label? Um, so she's partnering with um, Motown Gospel and uh, in partnership with her own faith-based record label that she has, Karen Records. Amen. I'm excited Amen. to see what comes out with that. And yeah. I love Karen. Music. She's my favorite <laughs> Clark sister. <laughs> Get some Twinkie songs. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited to uh, hear about um, Karen last year doing great things and still pushing the Clark legacy and uh, still promoting her brand, whatever, through her music. So um, shout out to her. Uh, we're going to take it a little bit dark for a minute. A YouTube youth pastor called out for allegedly grooming his girlfriend as she celebrates her 18th birthday. Um, so this year, a 20-year-old YouTuber uh, youth pastor post had gone viral after he takes a social media to tell the world that he waited four years for his girlfriend to turn 18 years old. He boldly celebrated on social media that he groomed her at the beginning when she was 14-year-old minor in the church. Uh, I so deeply hope and pray that our eyes are being open to what is going on for decades. Uh, this is what the writer of the blog has said. For decades, it has been the norm to take a young man and put him through denominational Bible college for four years, then ship him off to some church and take over a youth group. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that? I know that's a bit triggering for some people. Yeah, trigger warning to those who are listening. But um, I just feel like sexual issues like this are just things that constantly happen in the church that kind of get swept up in the car under the carpet. Like you should not be grooming young women in the church as a youth pastor and it just shouldn't be happening. And grooming is such a, a word for this. Like, uh, like that's so weird. Yeah. I mean, she was 14, like leave, leave sis alone. Let her become an adult. Let her like, just leave her alone. So and it's also where her parents Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, and and I feel like a lot of these things happen more than we know. And if it is happening, it, you know, people need to be held accountable. Um, and I think sure. that's what's not happening enough. We have these people that are, you know, sitting in youth. Like, like, why would you be leading, be a youth pastor or leading a group of young people and you pray on a young girl? And, and my thing is, like, where is the church that you are serving under that did not say, hey, like, you were grooming her since she was 14 years old. You need to be set down, and the parents need to press charges. I'm sorry. Like, that's uncalled for. And the fact it was it was done arrogantly because for you to wait till she turned 18 and then mm-hmm. you know, grooming her since she was 14 is very problematic. And I think is is uh, at best very disturbing, um, to say the least. So um, I hope that, you know, whoever he serves on hold him accountable for his actions, um, and I hope that he shares a jail cell with R. Kelly. Ooh, for sure. <laughs> uh, we're almost done here. So in other news, great news this is, President Biden is nominating Judge Katanji Brown. Uh, President Biden is nominating Judge Katanji Brown Jackson to Supreme Court, making good on a campaign promise to pick the first Black woman for the nation's highest court. 
Brown, Jackson, 51 years old, is a judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. That's Washington, D.C. I'm proud to announce that I am nominating Judge Katanji Brown Jackson to serve on the Supreme Court. Biden wrote in a Friday morning tweet uh, confirming his pick. Currently serving on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, she is one of our nation's brightest legal minds and will be an exceptional justice. You ladies have anything to say on that? Shout out to her. Yes. So happy um, for Judge Brown to be nominated the first Black woman possibly to sit on the Supreme Court um, if she goes through, which we're hoping, uh, which would be great. Also, you pointed out he made this in his campaign. And it's one of the only things that Biden has stuck to. I'm so only. sorry. I'm so I sad. Student loans, man. My student loans were not canceled. A lot of them. What about that? I have a lot of them. And they <laughs> called me and said they were starting them back up too. Right? My little period so they over. moved it from uh, January. I think now it's May, you know, if you're not in school. So give you four months to save your money. But here's a little trick. And I probably shouldn't be saying this. Um, I got mine from 800 some dollars a month to $93 a month. So so um, I'll share that secret with you after the show, okay? Just in I case guess. anybody is listening. <laughs> oh, Ooh, wow. What is this about? <laughs> Should you be telling us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any parts. I'm going to put y'all on some pain. Oh, um, I'm glad I'm not using my full name out here. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'm very proud to hear, you know, it's funny. I was listening to our episode, um, the one we did about flirting to convert. Um, It was one of the things that was kind of up in the air. But to hear it now come full circle is really amazing. Our last announcement, uh, we just want to say we want to pray for those that's in the Ukraine. Uh, You've been watching the news. Please pray for those that are in Ukraine. Russia has invaded Ukraine and there's a lot of destruction has taken place, uh, a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of lost lives. I know I was talking to a coworker today. She's from Germany and she was talking to her father and a lot of the refugees will be going to, will be shipping out to Germany and to some other surrounding uh, countries. Yeah, I definitely echo that sentiment that we should be praying for the Ukraine. Um, I have two new friends recently that are are there actually um, with their small children. So um, we're praying for their safety. I know the last time um, we spoke with them, uh, they were talking about how um, there was a missile that blew up a, a elementary school there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's serious business. It's not a joke. Um, I've heard that a lot of the saints in the Ukraine are staying to pray and witness. And that is amazing. I've been seeing videos on TikTok of them singing in subway stations and trying to be uplifting. And I... I can only hope that if we were ever in a situation like that, that I would have that type of holy boldness. Look, I don't know if I'll be able to stay Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I, might you know, I would just pray from a distance. I would just have to pray from a distance, you know. But, um, Germany. <laughs> pray from Germany. <laughs> but like how noble of them to be like, you know what? If things are going to go haywire, let's at least be available so that people can give themselves to Christ. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I just put my two cents in. Of course, I'm definitely praying. And to echo Deronda about the holy boldness of some of the people staying, you know, that takes a lot of faith. And, you know, faith is something that I personally strive to make sure I have 100% of every single day. 
So that will be one of those times I'll be like, all right, Lord, you know, I've been preparing for this. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to, you know, follow through. But it's definitely a sad situation and it's definitely praying times. And we just get so focused on ourselves and our country. But the body is the body. And there are people with, you know, different nationalities, different cultures who we need to stick by. So this is definitely one of those things where I've been seeing everybody on Facebook, pray for Ukraine, pray for Ukraine. And it's like a good feeling because I'm like, okay, you know, everyone's sticking together because at the end of the day, we're all one body. It doesn't matter what country, what color, what we look like. It's still the body. So definitely praying and hoping that nothing worse happens because of bad decisions from leadership. Right. That's the other thing that we still might be eligible for being drafted until you're 35. So. Well, thankfully I have flat feet and I can't go. Yeah. Um, they won't to get nothing out of me. I can't help. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with the both of you though. Um, that we, you know, need to pray. Um, it's, you know, the holy boldness, like it's, I admire that, that probably wouldn't be me. Um, but you know, I, I definitely praying for the saints over there, praying for everyone over there. Um, no matter what their belief is, I think everybody deserves prayer, deserves our love, and deserves our thoughts. Um, we are upset over the high gas prices here, and we're getting mad because groceries have gone up, but we won't know what it's like to send our children to school and someone go and throw a missile to elementary school and your kids not come back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, no matter what happens, God's going to take care of his people. Absolutely. We're all going to be okay. Um, after this, some things, you know, the Bible does have to fulfill itself. Talks about wars and rumors of wars, but also, you know, at the end of the day, it said, you know, he's not coming until they call peace and safety. And so uh, we have to consider, you know, these are just the beginning of sorrows um, for things coming on this earth. But in the midst of that, it pays us to, you know, not only pray. And I said this on the show before, but take action, put actions behind your prayer. You know, if that's something mm -hmm. that we can donate some money towards, you know, send, making sure people have what they need. People leaving and taking their family one other place. That's something we can do. Um, as part, you know, you might not be able to give money, but, you know, to send some kind of supporting whatever, um, please do so as, you know, they maneuver through the craziness. We're going to turn this part of the service back over to Sister Ron. Amen. Amen. So our subject for this week is it's time to grow up. I've been trying to figure out how we should discuss this. So, but I, I feel like I want to do it in two buckets. So the first half, I want to talk about a concept that we've tried to discuss before on the show. We haven't done it yet. And it's Q-baby privilege. And we'll get to what that means. And then the second part I want to discuss is spiritual maturity. So let's start with Q-baby privilege. So the way I look at Q-baby privilege is that people who are born in the church, and mind you, I want to reiterate that we are not a Bible study. This is all our opinions. So please do not go to your pastor and be like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like this has nothing to do with that. But like, I've been thinking about the concept of pew baby privilege and we know like there's white privilege, there's privilege for people who are educated. It's basically like, you know, there's an advantage that you get that you're born with just for having this type of attribute or this skill. And I've been thinking that as far as pew babies, it's the same way. Being born in church, not having the Holy Ghost, not doing anything else, but just sitting in the pews and learning about Christ. There are benefits that we get that other people who come from the street or live in the world just don't ever get to see. 
And with privilege, we know there's two different things. There's you can take advantage of your privilege and and you can use it to another's detriment or you can take your privilege and use it as a way to help others. I definitely agree that we have, you know, some sort of privilege, which just it comes in handy um, in certain times where, like I said, we'll be going through certain things and we just remember, oh, what was I taught? Or even things like certain blessings that we receive because of our parents' prayers. Well, my parents have five children. All of us have, you know, been to college doing, you know, pretty good. So I feel like if it wasn't for their prayers and things like that, I don't think we would be where we are today, of course, because we wasn't praying about going to college. <laughs> so it's it's little stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think that pew baby privilege, you know, it, it can be used both ways. And I've been a person that's used it both ways. Um, I've used it for, you know, to be lazy and I've used it to, you know, be a Pharisee, you know. But then I've also found myself as I gotten older using that um as a tool to, you know, help reach others or help, you know, talk to others about, you know, what it is that I believe in. Um, but I have been on both sides of the spectrum as far as um, pew baby privilege. And I think it's all in how we use it. It's all in how we, you know, apply it. All of us here on the show grew up, was born in church um, practically and, you know, to save Holy Ghost filled parents. And so, you know, a lot of things, you know, you ride the coattails of your parents for years, you know. Um, and so, but then, you know, there comes a point where you realize you got to kind of, you know, work this thing out on your own. Um, so, and it's it, it, it going to hit you like a ton of bricks, you know, it's, it's the same thing, even in the natural, sometimes, you know, you have, uh, kids that are very dependent financially on their parents, but having their parents like, you know what, I'm cutting the cord. And when they cut the cord, you know, it's kind of like, you got to do this for yourself. You got to try to support yourself. It's good that I've been able to speak to both sides of that, but yeah. What about you, Ron? Yeah, no, definitely had pew baby privilege. One thing like they, that we use a lot is like Acts 2.38, right? So it's like, then Peter said unto them, <laughs> repent and be baptized. And then I, I don't think we focus as much on Acts 2.39, right? So it says like the promise is unto you and your children and to many and for all. And I think sometimes we don't realize that there are promises that our parents have made with God or prayers that they gave Christ and he acknowledges them. And that has been our covering. And like, there's so many things that like, even when, and Jet talked about this earlier when she was introducing herself, even when I wasn't lining up with Christ, I still had that covering. And Mm -hmm. there were things that people got caught in and trapped in that I didn't. And I put that emphasis on the privilege of a pee baby. I'm connected to a prayer that somebody made with Christ and God was like, I'm gonna cover her. You know, I'm grateful for that. But again, I, I think it has nothing to do with me. It's about the fact that there was a relationship previously. So that leads me to the first scripture, Genesis 4, 3 through 15. And what this is, is basically the story of Cain and Abel. And just for a short summary, basically, we know the story like Cain and Abel, they were taught to do uh, sacrifices. They gave sacrifices to God. God accepted Abel's. He didn't accept Cain. Cain gets mad. He kills Abel. And then, you know, God is basically like, where's your brother? Cain's like, I don't know, God, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And God's like, he puts a curse on him. And he's like, anytime you do anything with the ground, it won't be successful. 
all of these things with Cain. And then the last thing that we hear is Cain kind of negotiating with God and saying, please don't let this happen. People are going to try to kill me. And God comes back and says, I'm going to put a mark on you so that if somebody kills you, they'll be affected multiple fold. So that way he was still protected. And so I just wanted to know, like, if you guys took anything from that as far as like pew baby privilege. And I can absolutely start first. We just recently had the change of relationship between um, Adam and Eve with Christ. Right. So they just sin just entered into the world. But instead of Adam and Eve, like completely ending their relationship with Christ, they still taught their children to sacrifice to God. So Mm -hmm. I I thought that was very interesting. Like, you know, even though the relationship changed, they're still giving sacrifices to God. But the biggest thing is the fact that even though Cain didn't follow what God wanted him to do, God still had mercy on Cain. He could have killed Cain right there. He could have did so many things for Cain, but Cain still was able to go to God and say, and kind of negotiate and be like, you know, God, this curse is really hard to bear. And God was just like, okay, I'll do this thing for you and just for you and have mercy. And I mean, ultimately, we have Noah later on and all Cain's heritage gets flooded out. But mm-hmm. still, Cain was still able to build a legacy despite what he what he done in his sin. And God still had mercy. And so I don't know if that prompted anything for you guys. It prompted the story of the prodigal son for me, um, because it's like like you said, Cain, you know, committed this terrible crime, of course. But, you know, the Lord still had mercy on him. He still didn't, you know, let anything wild or crazy happen to him. It's just like the prodigal son. The prodigal son went away, came back and was welcomed back by his father. So it's just, it just shows, you know, God is merciful to all of us, but you know, like when you, I guess, have that privilege or those parents, like you said, um, it's just like the privilege is, is seen more in certain people. Like, just you listening to you talk about Cain and all that, like the prodigal son popped in my head. So it just shows that privilege, like all throughout the Bible, really. Yeah, I agree with you both. I think uh, where we started to see kind of the downside of the pew baby privilege was that the fact that Cain felt so comfortable giving anything to God, you know? And so how many times have we as pew babies, you know, sat in church and kind of just didn't put forth our best because, you know, oh, well, my parents go here. I ain't really, you know, I'm not really as invested. And, you know, Cain gave the sacrifice, but God didn't accept his sacrifice. And, but he accepted Abel's sacrifice. And even when the Lord, when God questioned him about like Cain killing Abel, you know, there was this kind of nonchalant response, but am I my brother's keeper? Like, you know, why would I do that? So it was this nonchalant attitude that we kind of see even amongst pew babies that grow up in church. Um, and that's what it made me think about. It was like this attitude of, yeah, I'm a pew baby. Um, you know, gave, I didn't give you my best sacrifice. I got mad when you didn't accept it. I came my breath like, you know, but, you know, there's this nonchalant attitude. But then, you know, when judgment began to come, now you wanted the Lord to have mercy on you. And he did just that. How many times have we stepped outside of, out of, out of, out of line? And how many times have we stepped? And thank God that we're under, you know, grace now, you know, but how many times have we stepped out of line and, you know, wanted the Lord to have mercy on us and have mercy on what we had going on. We're in college acting a fool, but you want the Lord to have mercy on you when those grades come out. Think about that. We didn't think about us sacrificing our life to live for him while we were in school or while our parents was, was not watching. And, 
you know, but wanted him to have mercy on us, you know. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, Kane took advantage of his pew baby privilege. Um, and I think in this particular case, he should have been, he should have, have cherished it because you see what that your parents had uh had tarnished their relationship with God based on what they did, but they were humble enough um to still like teach you about this about sacrifice and for you to take advantage of that and to just ball it up like a piece of paper and throw it. That, you know, to me, that just goes, that shows a lot about, you know, where he was, the arrogance that he had. And I would, I correlated it so much to, you know, just pew babies and some, you know, pew babies I've seen where it's this, you know, nonchalant, uh, lackadaisical attitude towards the things of God. Yeah. And that made me think of, so like in verse six, right, God is telling Cain, like, your sacrifice wasn't what I was looking for. And instead of talking to God about what a sacrifice, what a better sacrifice could have been, he goes and talks to Abel in the field and gets mad at Abel. And it's like, why are you getting mad at somebody that's doing what they need to do? Why don't you evaluate yourself? Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of all the times that instead of going to God about our petty, stupid stuff that we deal with in church, we go to that, we go to somebody in the saint in the church and we like are immediately like creating drama, creating issues. And we're going to talk about spiritual maturity, but this Ooh. is to me like a highlight of immature pew babies, like you said, or just immature saints. Instead of talking to God about your deficiencies, you feel the need to go to a, a, a brother or something like that and tear them down. And it's just like, you know, like there was no reason for him to go and kill Abel. It could have just been the next time you sacrifice, do it a little bit better or change this differently. And God opened the space for them to have a communication and and to talk about it and have a relationship, basically. And basically, he didn't want that relationship with Christ. He would rather go and blame a brother. So like there's so much. Cain and Abel's story is like really amazing to me, but now I kind of want to shift to, like we were saying, spiritual maturity. Um, and there were three examples. The first one was Solomon in 1 Kings 3, um, 3 through 14. And basically here, David uh, has passed away and Solomon has taken over. He's often sacrifices to God. This always starts with a sacrifice to God, which is interesting too, but he's offering sacrifice to God and God comes to him in a dream and is like, what do you want from me? I'll give you anything that you want. You know, you're walking in your father's path. You're aligning yourself with what you've been taught. And Solomon gives the response of, Lord, I just want wisdom. You know, you have these amazing people. It's so many people that I can't even number. How do I govern these people? How do I judge them? And God was so impressed by this speech that Solomon gave that he was like, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all the riches that I have Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. And then later on in this chapter um, is when we see Solomon doing his first judgment, which was the, the women with the one baby, right? And like basically how impressed everybody was like that he could figure out who the mom was based off of that scenario. And um, so I wanted to see what you guys thought about this, like Solomon stepping into his role and um, how that kind of is a contrast from Cain. I was just going to say, I don't think Cain would have been asking for wisdom. (laughs) I wish he had some, but um, it definitely showed Solomon's maturity just asking for wisdom because that's just like 
if we had the one chance to ask God for anything, I don't think even the saints, the older saints, the most, you know, mature saints now would even be like, oh, Lord, just give me wisdom. You know, they'd be asking, you know, for everything else. But then just to see how the Lord gave him more just from his humble, you know, response of asking just for wisdom, it just shows that Solomon deserved more. But he also it also showed that he wanted to be a good leader. Um, it showed that he was ready to take on the role and he wanted to make sure that he could do it. So asking for wisdom was making sure that he could do it. Like you say, even with the baby, who would have thought of that? <laughs> like, what? You got the baby? Yeah. It's like, no, well, you can keep it. I'm cutting my baby. So, you know, just like something like that, it just showed a lot of um, spiritual maturity that I think nowadays, speaking for myself, we don't have or we don't show often. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think it, this is on the other side of that P-Baby privilege. That was a humility behind it. He saw how great of a king his father David was. And he went and asked like, Lord, like, you know, I, I you know, basically so many words, like I, I seen what you did for my daddy, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I seen what you did for my daddy, you know, so, you know, but what, so, you know, but what I really, it was a few gems I got out of there because it was like one of those things where I want to go into this, making sure I'm doing right by this. Like, I don't want to go into this arrogantly. I don't want to go into this, you know, I want to go into this doing right. I want to go into this doing right by the people. Two takeaways for me. One, you don't see this a whole lot with us pew babies, especially when we step in roles. Let's take, you know, uh, uh, pastors and then their their offspring that come and take these pastoral roles behind them, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there's this arrogance, there's this, you know, prideful, there's this, I'm going to change everything. There is this, I'm ready to get in this role so I can show you who's boss. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought about that because it was like, you know, you very rarely do you hear of someone coming behind and taking on a legacy to say, you know what, I've seen, you know, the great things my predecessors done. I've seen the great things that those before me did. Like, how can I measure up to that. And I think the Lord recognized that he honored that. Mm-hmm. I got to say this scripture, you know, uh, seek ye first, there it is, the kingdom God, oh, God. and all these yeah. yeah. things will be added God, unto, unto you. you. And so I thought about that, you know, he sought first the kingdom, literally at that time, the kingdom, right? But he sought first the kingdom of God. And it was like, you know what? The Lord was like, I see you you seeking out of my king, you, you coming with me, humility, I'm going to add riches. And I think that was a, the other gem that I got out of that. It was like, you know, seeking the the things of God. And I think a lot of times as few babies, I know for me, I can speak for me. I know for a long time, I was seeking, you know, secular, you know, wealth and secular riches. I want to be successful. I want to be, you know, this, like, those were the things. That's what now that outlook has changed for me because it's like, you know, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Like, and even what you have assigned me to do, I want to do with humility. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Like, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. And I've seen the change that that brings about. And so it was just so many things I could have gotten. I enjoyed like really reading this story again, because it's been a long time since I had heard that particular story. I think it's since I've been a young boy in Sunday school. But just reading that brought back just a lot of different gems, a lot of different thoughts about, you know, pew baby privilege and the good side of pew baby privilege. Sorry, I didn't mean to take up so much. No, that was good. good. And like um, he already was king. 
and that's I think that's important. Like you pointed out, Mike, like it's a different discussion about church dynasties, but he was already in this prominent role where he really could have ruled any way he wanted to. He could have did whatever he wanted to, but he asked about Christ first and he was like, Lord, give me what I should do. And that's that is amazing to me. Um, there was two more people that I wanted to highlight. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 19. And then um, Samuel, which is 1 Samuel 1, 26 and 1 Samuel 3. And I don't know, like, Mike, if you want to, like, summarize these. No. So the one with Samuel, where they were in the temple and, like, uh, he was there with Eli. And um, in this particular passage of scripture, he was laying in the temple. He thought Eli was calling him, right? He thought Eli was calling him because, you know, his mother had had a hard time, you know, trying to give birth to him. She she struggled trying to conceive. And so she had already dedicated him back to the Lord. Said, Lord, he's yours. Like, Lord, he's yours. He's yours. And so, and a lot of our parents have done this, done that for us low key, right? But the thing was, he was in the temple with Eli. And while he was in the temple with Eli, he thought Eli was calling him. Hey, you call me? You call me? Hey, hey, you call me? Eli was like, no, go back to sleep, boy. You call me? Nah, you better go back to sleep. And so that's when Eli realized in this particular passage of scripture that Samuel was hearing from the Lord and was, you know, basically giving him a message of that he was going to basically, you know, destroy Eli's family because they decided to ignore God. So he was going to bring discretion. So when he heard from God, you know, of course, uh, Samuel being so young and timid did not want to relay that message to Eli because he knew like, I don't know how this man going to take this, you know, I don't know how he's going to, you know, uh, take this news when I tell him. But when it was all said and done, he told him anyway. And Eli was just like, just tell me, just tell me what the news is. I don't care how deep it cut. I don't care how much it cuts, how deep it cuts. Just tell me. And so he told him, and that's when Eli knew, like, okay, hey, this young man is being used by God. And it was another one of those things where, you know, pew baby privilege. It was a humility behind it because he was basically like, you know, I don't know if how I should react upon hearing from God. Because, you know, now as pew babies, we got a lot of pew babies, you know, people that grew up in church, people that grew up around authentic anointing, you know, think that anointing comes freely. They think that anointing comes without being crushed. They think that anointing and hearing from God comes without works, and it doesn't work that way. And so a lot of times people take on these different assignments, not really hearing truly from God, not hearing from what he has to say, whatever. And so what I really admired about Samuel in this particular role, Samuel was like, Lord, is that, is that really you talking to me? And how do I go about? Because now, you look at a lot of people now that's in our age range. Everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody wants to, you know, preach. Everybody wants to give a word. Everybody wants to self-exalt themselves. And everybody has that, but nobody is really checking to hear, am I really hearing from God? Am I really hearing, is this the voice of God I'm hearing, you know? Or am I doing this to parade my own flesh? Am I doing this for my own glorification? So that's what I really admired about this scripture. I'm going to shut up. That's real good. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. And just to go back to Jeremiah, there wasn't much of a big story to Jeremiah, except for God basically calling him being like, you know, in your mother's womb, I formed thee. And then just telling basically at the end, Jeremiah, like, you know, don't worry about what people look like. Don't worry about their face. I'm going to give you the words to say and just speak what I tell you. And I, I think with Jeremiah and Samuel, 
they both had to give hard information. Um, and mind you, like they're all like in all of these stories, Solomon, Samuel, Jeremiah, it's like, I'm a kid, you know, I'm a child. And I mean, we're older now, but like we've talked about this in an old episode, sometimes our age group is still considered youth. And people still I'm don't young. listen to us. <laughs> I'm young. I'm young. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I may be young. <laughs> but like, just the fact that like, you know, they had to say some hard things to some grown people, some seasoned saints. Like talking to Eli, Samuel happened to reveal that to Eli, who Eli was the prophet. He was the one who was given the sacrifices in the temple and he had to give him hard news. Accepting that call, to me, that's number one, being in a place to accept God's call and doing it in a way that God ordained it and making sure that you, like Mike said, checking with Christ and listening were just really key for me. And another takeaway I had is that in each of these stories, even though there was a relationship with Christ with the parents, I I guess I just want people to understand like P-Baby privilege is really cool because I think there's a special, I don't want to talk about us being elite, but there is a special, like there's a special thing that comes with being born in Christ. And it doesn't matter how you came into it. Like, you know, Solomon came out of a messy situation. He came out of David's sin, but God still was like, I'm going to use the son that you had because of your relationship with me to do these amazing things. Um, I don't, we don't know about Jeremiah's parents, but just the fact that in your mother's womb, God formed me, like we, I, I'm really on this like confidence thing of like pew babies, like God knew from the very beginning that you were going to be born and raised in his church to do his service. And that is a duty. And that is an amazing thing that we have. Like he fearfully and wonderfully made us to do and accomplish these things. He fearfully, wonderfully made us to be the next generation in our churches. He fearfully, Mm -hmm. wonderfully made us to know him from the very beginning. As soon as we were popped out, we were able to, to understand how his existence. And that is an amazing thing that we have, but also that is a very strong duty that we have. And in my opinion, because we have to continue to do his business. We are that group that's supposed to continue to do his business. And like, even with Samuel, like his mother prayed for him. Like, I I don't know what you guys' life was like, but um, I have uh, five brothers. And originally, if all my dad's kids would have lived, he would have had 10. I'm the only girl who came through. And like, I think about that. And I thought about it on the day I got the Holy Ghost. Wow. Like, God everybody else passed away. Like my, my sister before, (laughs) before me, like she got to the birthing stage. Like my mom actually had her and had a miscarriage. Um, well not, it's not a miscarriage, but she had her and she wasn't, she wasn't born alive. Yes. She was still birth. Thank you. Um, and it's just to think like, wow, like from the beginning, God thought about me and pushed me through and what kind of amazing God that we serve to do that, but also what kind of responsibility and purpose do I have for him? And I think that is a part of the spiritual maturity that we have to have. You weren't just born in church and coming to church just because God has a purpose for us. And are we ready to accept the call? Um, And we'll get into that, but (laughs) do you have any comments that if she don't (laughs) 
Oh, I have. Yes, I definitely have a comment. My first comment uh, would definitely be if you had to pick like a scripture for a pew baby privilege, it would definitely be, you know, before I formed the in the belly, I knew the, you know, sanctified thee and all that. But just listening to you talk and talk about purpose of pew babies, um, because we all have one. Um, and it's just like, as we get older, it starts to like kind of eat at us more because now it's like you're older, you understand. Now it's time to, you know, seek the Lord on our own. Because like I said, I've been in church my whole entire life, but I haven't known the Lord for myself my whole entire life. I've known the Lord through my parents, through my late bishop. Um, and so now it's just like thinking about purpose and it's just like, wow. Like, what is my purpose? And it's just like, it's a scary thought because it's just like, you've been, I've been in church my whole life and it's like, I'm trying to figure it out. And it's just like, yeah, we have that uh, privilege, but we also have that pressure. So privilege and pressure, <laughs> the P's <laughs> of pubes. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, it's crazy because like listening to you talk, it kind of like, I don't know, like, I'm just like, Hey, now I need to go pray. Like, Lord, I need you to tell me. <laughs> I need you to speak so I know because, like, since I've been trying to, you know, seek the Lord on my own and know him for myself, I've really been trying to figure out exactly what, like, my sole purpose is because I know I have one. Um, but just trying to figure it out is the part that's hard. I don't want to, like, depend on my parents anymore, depend on my pastor. So it's time for me, you said, to grow up. And it's been it's been hard. But um, just listening to you definitely just kind of motivated me more to figure it out in a sense. Yeah, I haven't discovered what my purpose is. I'm going to be very honest. I have no idea. Like you said, I know that there is one. I don't know if it was just to get the Holy Ghost. I don't know if it's just the witness. I feel like purpose can be so simple, mm-hmm. but very impactful. You know what I mean? And, and the next thing I want us to talk about moving on is will we be spiritually mature enough to know um, and kind of like getting into a place where we are moving from pew babies to discipled adults. And in that adulthood, like, yes. are we doing the things that we should to be in a place where we can be used by God? Because like you said, like I personally am tired. I'm tired of just going to church and just doing the same old things. It's like brushing my teeth. It's like taking a shower, like going to church Mm -hmm. is just so routine. And it's like, you know, I want my relationship with Christ to be more of relationship as it should be instead of just, I'm just doing these things out of habit. Like, cause it's like, it's annoying how habitual we get. And when we get habitual, we become so if church is just out of habit, we just going to church and we just creating a ruckus. And it's like, and there's a difference. And people keep saying this There's a difference between becoming the church and just being churchy. So I, my first question, sorry, we're going to really, anyway, um, what does it mean to be spiritually mature? Spiritually mature means like, it can mean many things, but I'm gonna go off of, you know, tests and trials. Um, when those come not to panic or, you know, forget what we're supposed to do to get through these things spiritually mature means, okay, this is going on. I need to pray. I need to read more. I need to fast, um, things like that. And it's just because 
even if you have the Holy Ghost and even if you go to church every Sunday, when something terrible comes along, some people's first instinct is not going to be pray. It's going to be panic. All these peas. Um, <laughs> so it's just like being spiritually mature. It just means you're able to fight off certain things. You're able to get through certain tests and trials because you know what to do. You know what you've been taught and you know what's going to work. Um, that's just like if you get in an argument, if you're immature, first thing you're going to do, you're going to go off. You're going to want to fight. But if you're mature, you're just like, you know what? Let's just talk through this. Let's get through this. You're going to find a solution. So spiritually mature, you're going to know that the solution is praying, fasting, reading more, doing what you need to do to seek God and get closer to him so that whatever you're going through, you know, you'll get through. So uh, that's, you know, my take on that. No, uh, I think she summed that up perfectly. And just to add to that, um, I think being spiritually mature as well is a lot of different um, aspects that we can kind of look at it. Um, But one of the biggest things is how we handle and how we uh, prioritize the things that God had the tools that God has given us and how do we manage the spiritual gifts and the spiritual fruits that he has given us, especially since we've been saved and since we've had the Holy Ghost, how do we manage those things? How well do we manage them? And I think part of being spiritually mature is how much love do we show? How much grace do we show? How how faithful are we? You know, how faithful are we to the things of God and things like that? And I think it measures our spiritual uh, maturity because, you know, just because you've had the Holy Ghost for 40 years does not necessarily make one spiritually mature. Okay. Field, but even with that, you know, like we heard at the conference a few weeks ago, you know, some people got 25 cents worth of Holy Ghost. Some people got a dollar's worth and some people are filled up. So it's like, what's in your spiritual bank account? It kind of equates to what... Uh, how spiritually mature you are. That's good. The definition for me was fruit of the spirit. And Ooh. like, it's just like, we get the fruit of the spirit as soon as we get the Holy Ghost. We get the tools. My pastor says this a lot now. He's like, you know, you already have everything that you need to do what you need to do. You know, it's about whether we access it, but it's about whether we actually carry it through and execute. Mm-hmm. If I've been in church, because I'm being self-reflective tonight, <laughs> if mm-hmm. I have been in church... For my whole life, I've been saved since I was 13 and I keep dealing with the same situation where I want to gossip or like somebody says something crazy to me and I'm like, I'm going to go off like, or I'm going to bring them in the bishop's office because blah, blah, blah. You know, like if it's constantly still these little bickering things, somebody made dinner at, at the church. We've had a banquet at the church and they started making plates and took all the food. Like, am I not mature enough to just be like, well, I have enough money. God bless me enough with enough money to go eat out. Maybe they needed the food. food left. Exactly. Like, where is that? And I was going to go somewhere else. I know I gave you guys pre-questions, but I was reading this article and it had some points or signs of spiritual maturity. And so I wanted to fill the rest of our time with going through some of these points and then just a follow-up question after it. But the first sign of uh, spiritual maturity, they said, is that you are guided by biblical principles. And that's what I mean by the fruit of the spirit. Um, The second one is you don't keep a record. And they were saying slow to hold grudges, 
and quick to forgive. And I wanted to know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Ooh. <laughs> Michael? <laughs> no, that's a huge one. I think that's a huge one. And I think that's an uh, area people struggle with. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it for a long time where people in church would stop speaking to one another because somebody looked at them wrong 30 years ago. Well, I, you know, I don't really deal with her like that because she looked at me wrong back in 92. We were standing in the choir stand and she cut her eye at me wrong. I ain't had nothing to do with it since. And, you know, <laughs> but things like that happen. I think a lot of times people do like whole whole grudges. And, you know, we hold grudges in church with one another longer than we hold grudges with people like, you know, in the world at our jobs and stuff like that. But we, you know, will hold a grudge pretty quick. And, you know, I used to be that way. I ain't even going to sit here and lie. Like, you know, I hold a grudge and just like, I don't talk to this person. Like, you know, I don't, I don't deal with that. I don't speak speak to that person because I, I I know what he said, you know, it, you know, when, when I wasn't around, so I don't even deal with him. Like, you know, he come around, I'm getting up leaving. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to sit down and think about like, am I being mature by, you know, not being forgiven? Cause you know, you want, I want somebody to forgive me, but also God has forgiven me numerous times. I've turned my back on him numerous times. I've done things that I said, I wasn't going to do no more. And, you know, here I am again, you know, repenting again. And the Lord has been merciful enough to forgive. And, you know, so, you know, we have to think about those things. And and I just thought about this thought. A lot of times, you know, we desire or we have these gifts, gifts of the spirit, whatever, but we don't have no fruit to go with it. We don't, mm-hmm. we lack the fruit to go with the gifts of the spirit, you know, and I think that's part of spiritual maturity. You know, it's great that you got the gifts of the spirit, but you know, if you don't have no fruits of the spirit, then how meaningful are your gifts if you don't have the fruits of the spirit to go with it? If your prophecy is not wrapped with love and, and with compassion, you know, if if your speaking in tongues is always, you know, you can speak in tongues in church, but you can't, you know, you speak to people in English, you know, you know, so you have to think about those things and think about like how spiritually mature are you really? And if you do a test on yourself and found that you're not that spiritually mature, now is the time to fix that and correct those things. Mm. Yes, I definitely agree, um, especially about the, you know, forgiveness thing, because forgiveness in the church is like, who? And you know, spiritually immature people, like I've been one of them. I've been working on that now, though. It's just like, oh, if this person did something to me, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to talk to them or I'm not going to forgive them. And we think it's okay. But it's just like, it's your soul at stake over something so simple. And it's just like, none of this stuff is even worth it because we're so immature spiritually and naturally. And it's just like, we forget what we're even on this earth for, you know, is to love each other, serve God, hopefully go to heaven. And it's just like, we get so caught up in just being humans naturally and not spiritually. Cause like I said, something could happen. We'd be so comfortable to be like, oh girl, I don't care. I don't talk to her. And it's just like, like, huh? Like, that's not okay. We just have to realize that's why we have to be spiritually mature enough to realize that's not okay. And like I said, I've been working on that myself because I quit like, oh, I don't speak to, but now it's just like, no, because it's just like, you could block your own blessings from going against the word of God because you're supposed to forgive, mm-hmm. you know, 
he tells you how many times to forgive a day. So it's just like, obviously it's important. He put a specific number in there. So it's just like, sometimes we're just so spiritually and actually immature to the point where we think this stuff is okay, but it's really not because it's so much at stake. Like this is our lives, you know, and eternal life, you know, if we get it and all of these small things could be stopping that. And I just think, it's just, like I said, it's just immature in the natural and the spiritual. And it's just something I know I've been personally working on. Yeah. 70 times seven. Like there was a phrase that I hear often from people is, well, I'm going to love them from a distance. And it's like, what does that mean? It's impossible. It just, you ain't got to like them. You got to love them. <laughs> and and right? so <laughs> me too. But I like, I'd be like, you know what? Lord, all sorry, these little phrases know. that's kind of like, is that scripture or is that you? Not, nah, but um, I was uh, doing a devotional and the lady was saying, she was reading first um, Corinthians 13, which talks about love. And um. She said she just kept hearing God's voice saying, don't keep a record. And she said she would have like a list of people that she was like, I'm gonna look out for these people. And every time she encountered, like, it, it was like God just telling her, don't keep a record. Don't keep a record. She's like, oh, nah, I'm, I'm gonna keep these people in my head. And she was like, I'm not, I'm not, I let it go. God, I let it go. And he was like, you're keeping a record. And the thing about it is like, I remember as a kid praying, like, Lord, please put my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Like, isn't there a thing like, he, like, and I'm like, you know, like, I don't want him to hold those things against me. So why do we do that to each other? You know, if we're supposed to be like Christ, then why do we continuously not let people have a fresh lead with us? My follow up question to this, particularly with forgiveness, is that how do you handle when you're trying to be spiritually mature in that situation, but that person is not? Give it to God. (laughs) I can forget and I can forget, (laughs) but this person keeps battling me. And I feel like I'm being caught out. And so if I keep getting caught, I'm going to show up. So <laughs> Ooh, I feel like he's telling my story oh, right now. <laughs> wow. So like, I like, cause that's something I'm still trying to figure out if somebody, if anybody knows how to answer that, please like jump in. I'm still trying to figure it out too, because I'm that person that like, I'll speak to you, but I will not like carry on with you because like, especially once I know that, you you know, once I picked up your spirit, but again, like, is that biblical? Like, even though I'm using my discernment, is it biblical? Am I doing the right thing by turning a cold shoulder to you or, you know, turning my back to you? Uh, I, I, I perceive that you're messy. I perceive that, you know, you don't mean no good. So I'm only, I'm going to just, you know, fist pump you because you in COVID and Say praise them real quick and be out the door to my car because I don't want to deal with you. And I've had to check myself a couple of times and be like, hey, that ain't that's not cool. Like, you know, because a lot of times like we can't, and, you know, we all have shortcomings and, you know, your shortcoming might be something else. Your shortcoming, shortcoming might be gluttony. Their shortcoming might be, you know, not being honest all the time. And things like that. Do I think you should have boundaries? Yes. But I also don't think that we should, as people of God and children of God, be, you know, ready to ignore people. That's something I'm working on because I'd be telling my dad and I'm like, hey, I, I would have been cutting them off out of you. I wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't pick up the phone. Okay. <laughs> he said, like, I I wouldn't pick up the phone. I heard, see, they never I hit the ignore button because you ain't going to, you're not going to run me down and, and think I'm going to talk to you. No, but, but 
you know, is that really showing love and stuff like that? And maybe the Lord is working on that person's heart. And maybe there's something, you know, that will prick their heart to do the right thing when they talk to you or the next time they see you. And maybe, you know, or you might be blocking your own blessing. I think uh, Sister Jet was saying that earlier, like you might be blocking your own blessing by not, you know, by shutting yourself off just because people, people going to talk about you regardless. And I think sometimes we, you know, fight the worst wars in church because, you know, people say things, people do things that we don't like, people disregard us and things like that. And we just, you know, I'm cutting you off like, hey, you know, I ain't dealing with you. You know, we can sing in a choir together. But when we come out of the choir stand, bro, you go your separate way. I'm going my separate way because, you know, I, don't, I, you know, I don't I don't like the way you, you looked at me, you know. So it's just a lot of those things that we really have to learn to work through and do better at. But I will tell you, first and foremost, I'm, that's something I have to work on because I'm very good for, you know, looking right at you and not seeing you. All right. <laughs> um, another sign of spiritual maturity is caring for the poor and marginalized, which I absolutely agree with. I agree with that. <laughs> I don't have much to add to that one. I don't know if you guys have thoughts, but... I think that's something that we just... that I mean, come on. Like, I think that's just pretty much, you know... But then again, I don't know. Because recently, I've seen where, you know... I've seen where people come have come to church, like, asking the church for to buy groceries or to buy, you know, for money and stuff like that. And we're always like, blah, 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 blah. Well, they're giving out, you know, food stamps or social services. Like, well, you need to come to church first before we give you anything and stuff like that. And thanks, that's not the attitude to have, you know. And I it breaks my heart sometimes because, you know, like a lot of times I will hear the saints say, well, they're giving out food stamps at down there, all this food people giving out, you know, all this money the government giving out. But you don't know that person's situation. You don't know if they're, you know, barely make. Because let me tell you, some of these benefits you can't get if you make a penny over what that particular cutoff is. You can't get those benefits. I mean, you got five heads of kids you're trying to feed and do the best you can. You're a single mother. And to me, the church should be the first place you should be able to reach out to and say, hey, you know, I need help. You know, just like we come there for spiritual needs, you should be able to come there for, you know, other needs as well. And so what the person doesn't stay in worship with you? So what the person doesn't come back to church? You know, but the Bible says the poor will always be among you. And so, you know, I think that's one of the things that you think that people would, you know, do better about that. But I'm sorry to say I've seen just that. For sure. Another one was, um, sorry, I'm trying to skip around. Deferring pleasure. I have this issue, y'all. I'm blessed. I have money now and I've been buying DoorDash when I wanted to. Like, <laughs> I've been buying from Amazon when I want to. As soon as a need come up, I'm like immediately like, oh, let me handle this. And like, I realized that just because I have abundance, like, am I using the abundance for Christ or am I just using it to supply my own needs? And this is something that like I've been trying to struggle with. Well, I've and, been shopping for church clothes. So I mean, that's oh, <laughs> so I mean, you know. I feel like that's both. It's related to Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I've been buying people's prayer veils. It's related. Yeah, so, you know, so I feel like, like it all is all inextricable. So I'm dead. <laughs> but like just like putting putting aside what I want and my needs and deferring my pleasure for what the things of Christ is definitely something that I'm trying to work on to be spiritually mature. Very mature in that area. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, like some of these things you don't really think about. It's just like, you know, like you said, you buy your Amazon for me, my Shein, things like that. And you don't really think about, hmm, like what else could I do? Like, of course, I pay my tithes, my offering. But it's just like there's more we could do like than tithes and offering because that's just, you know, kind of the minimum, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's stuff like, you know, randomly blessing someone else, you know, instead of, you know, paying for my Shein cart. Oh, Lord, pay for someone else's. That's, <laughs> we're going to have to get there. You know, Lord's still working. <laughs> but, as you know, it's just little stuff like that that we don't even think about. Um, but if we did do stuff like that, just imagine how much more we'd be able to do stuff like that because we'll have more abundance. But that's where that, you know, maturity comes in and thinking about those things and not just thinking about the now. But thinking about, you know, if I did this, this would happen. But like I said, I know I don't think about that. First time thinking about it was just now when you said it. That's a good point. Where's the sacrifice? Yeah. They offer yeah. sacrifice. And me giving my tithes <laughs> was not a sacrifice. It's responsible. Yeah. Something to think about for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, like I'm always like looking out for, you know, people. So a lot of times like, I will, you know, kind of put myself on the back burner to make sure, you know, people are okay. Like, you know, I am the person that for the most part, if it's a friend or something like that, maybe like, oh my God, like I'm running this amount on my car note or, you know, this and the third or like even be someone at work. Oh my God, I didn't have no lunch money. I'm like, okay, what's your cash app? Or, and sometimes that can be, you know, a weakness of mine because I'm always trying to make sure people don't go without um, but I do know on the other side of that too, I will take care of Mike. Like Mike will go, you know, sit down and enjoy some steak or Mike will go and, you know, order something from the M Corbett collection, just a shameless plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. Um, but you know, it's absolutely right out. There is more that we could do. Um, I'm always trying to make sure I can do stuff even with the church I serve in, just making sure I, you know, am being financially responsible and making sure like, you know, my duties are there, if there's something extra that comes up, making sure I am, you know, first and foremost, you know, putting that towards what I need to put it towards or, you know, making sure like, you know, the man of God is blessed and things like things of that nature and taking pleasure and stuff like that. You know, I will pop up with that Klarna and, you know, go and, uh, <laughs> Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, Joseph A. Bank having a sale, whatever. I will, you know, going to shop, whatever, you know, or Coach Men's, you know, having a sale or still trying to get me some Alexander McQueen, you know, you know, my birthday, I might just what? get it. No. But <laughs> no, no, but, go ahead, know, sir. Go ahead. I, but I do think that there has, there's a balance, whatever. And like I said, I, I don't beat myself up too badly about it because I do know, like, Somebody, especially someone close to me or family or fans in need, whatever, you know, I will move heaven and earth to make sure they have what they need. The people around me have what they need. This is going to be another episode, but we need to use wisdom even when we do that because yes, I've been do. burnt out <laughs> being that person. So <laughs> but anyway, but I definitely do want to be a good steward over what God has blessed me with, especially the access. 
Um, the last one, so we can quickly close out. Sorry, we've been on here for a while is, um, you practice personal responsibility. And one thing that I have noticed a lot that is just anti-spiritual is the selfishness that we have. And Mike, you talk about this a lot, but just like refusing to see our own shortcomings, our own problems and fixing ourselves and taking that personal responsibility is just not happening. And it's funny because like, that's such a natural thing. You know, when we're born as kids, it's about me, me, me. Every baby is like catered to me. You know what I mean? And when we have Christ, that change of mindset of like, let me look at others. Let me see what I can do. Let me, yeah, they didn't react the way I wanted them to, but let me change myself and how I adjust to this situation. So I don't escalate it. You know, just taking responsible personal responsibility, taking ownership over our own actions. And despite whether we can change the situation or not, just being satisfied or calm, or there was a, a few issues that came up even for me this week. And like, I'm like, okay, I have to make a decision of how I'm going to react to the situation. And I need to be cool because work or whoever is like stressed to me and like, is how I I'm responsible for me. And if I have Christ in me, I should act in a different way than what someone who doesn't does. I definitely agree with you. Um, Cause it's just like, we want to hold everyone else accountable, but we don't want to hold ourselves. Um, even if it's like, we're talking about forgiveness, like we're upset that this person did something to us or it's not forgiving us, but we're upset. <laughs> so it's still like, we're both wrong, but we only want to talk about their wrongness and think that we're okay because it's us. Um, so it's just like, that personal accountability in the church or just in general is very lacking. Um, and then we always want to hold others accountable for our accountability. For example, if someone didn't forgive me, I'm not going to be okay until they do. So I'm waiting for them so I can be okay. And it's just like, that's not how it works. Like I need to make sure, you know, like, well, Lord, if they're not going to forgive me, I forgive them you know, touch their heart, things like that. But it's just like, we're so dependent on other people before we can, you know, hold ourselves accountable or do anything for ourselves. So I think that's, you know, something we all kind of need to check ourselves with because we waiting for somebody to forgive us. We're going to be mad at them. And if they never forgive us, we're going to stay mad at them forever. And what the Lord come back and what, where are we going? Where we think we going? we holding grudges exactly (laughs) so it's just like it's it's time to grow up you know and it's time to open our own eyes and hold our own selves accountable even though it's hard like we don't ever want to think we're doing something wrong we don't ever want to think we're in the wrong especially when we're gossiping and people be like yeah girl she did this she did this but what did I do (laughs) you know we always leave that part out Mm -hmm. so it's just like you know that self-accountability, it needs to happen. So that at the end of the day, if the Lord, you know, does come back, be like, well, you did the right thing, even though the other person didn't, but you did. And that's what we need to strive for, making sure we are doing the right thing and not worried about anybody else. That's good. Personal accountability in this spiritual walk is everything. I think we have to be able to make sure, and I say this on the show all the time, that we inspect what we expect. You know, what do we expect from people and how do we 
treat people based off the way we've treated them for one. But then for two, like, how do you expect people to respond? Uh, just like this week at work, you know, it was a situation at work and I, I got upset about it. I did like, you know, and I was vincing about it. I was like, I don't think that's fair. You know, I've put in work, you know, at this job, like in just a short few short months and I've, you know, you know, been worked very hard to achieve the numbers that I've achieved and, you know, trained to develop the team and, you know, work my butt off and, and, and just created a rapport amongst all of these people. And, you know, just doing all this complaining, doing all of this, you know, I'm, I'm upset, you know, and I just had to like take a step back and just realize like, okay, like I'm calling myself a, a born again believer how is it that I'm acting like this? Like, why am I behaving like this over something of this nature, over something that God has the final say-so in anyway, over something that might not even be meant for me to move up in? It might be, you know, God might have greater plans. And to me, I took the trust away from God, put the trust in myself because I was so sure that, you know, my own merit would, you know, get me here, get me there. And I took that particular trust away from God. I took away, you know, God's ability to do what he wanted to do by relying on my own self. And when, you know, my own reliability, when my own, you know, self failed, then, you know, I'm making a scene. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't just don't think this is right. You know, this is favoritism and stuff like that, which it, it was, but that wasn't for me to voice that. That was for me to say, you know what, Lord, I put this in your hands because I know that you hold the heart of the king. You know, I know that, you know, whatever doors I'm supposed to walk into, you have the keys to it. You know, whatever space I'm supposed to be in, position I'm supposed to be in, you hold the keys to that particular space. And, you know, so it's all about holding ourselves accountable and checking our own selves before we check somebody else and just making sure, like, we've done what we're supposed to do, you know, making sure we behave the way we're supposed, we're supposed to behave because in places like the workplace, like school and things like that, you know, we're the only Bible sometimes people are going to ever experience. We're the only salvation anybody's going to ever see before they get filled with the, the real, you know, get filled with salvation. And so, you know, we tend to kill our witness because we're so quick to react and respond, you know, to situations that don't really require us to respond. Sometimes silence is the loudest response in certain situations. And so it was a, a lesson I learned very quickly this week. I'm just like, you know what, like, Lord, like, you know, I have to take my hands off and let you drive this boat and me not act, you know, spiritually immature, let my guard down and then people question who it is and what it is. that I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my final comments on that. Sorry. And I'm going to ask you guys for any last remark you might have. Um, it, it prompted a few things um, like being personally responsible for not just what I say, but how I fill my time. Um, because I've been finding myself with like, I live by myself. And so like, if I'm not working or something, I'm just at home. And it's like, what am I doing with my time? I'm watching Netflix, watching Love is Blind. Like, and it's like, you know, Praying, am I, reading. Yeah. Am I spending more time mm -hmm. with Christ the way I should and taking more accountability and responsibility of that? Um, taking more accountability and responsibility of my peaceful time. Cause um, like Mike was saying, you know, we miss opportunities. I, um, there was like a weekend where my boss asked me to come in. Typically, like I wouldn't work on a Sunday. 
And he asked me to come in on a Sunday. And so I text, like I sent the message and I was like, Hey, I'm like on my way from church. And then in my head, I was just so upset. Cause I was like, you know, like, gosh, I got to work on Monday too. And I, you got me working on Sunday. It's supposed to be my Sabbath. I'm supposed to be off. Like this is the Lord's day. I'm supposed to rest. <laughs> like I was just going off in my head. And so, um, I was in the office and he came to me and he was like, yeah, like, I'm so sorry to ask you to come in. And then he was like, yeah, you said you just got back from church. And he was like, you know, like I haven't been to church in so long. And like, it was funny. Cause like, I was still like in my own, like little petty, whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's wild. Sorry. I'm like, Oh, that's unfortunate. He was like, well, how was church? Like, oh, it was great. It was great. He was like, yeah, it's been so long since I made it to church. And like, that was an opportunity for me to just kind of be like, you know, like God is still a, like, you know, I could have said anything. I could have witnessed more. I could have done anything, but I was still so caught up in myself and the fact that I had to be at work. And like, he was kind of like trying to open the door for me to kind of be like, you know, I wish I had that opportunity to be at church as well. And I, it's, it's just little things like that. It might not seem like a big thing. Like it's like, you, well, you told them you were at church, so that should be enough. But it's like, there's these little opportunities that we get and it could have been a t- chance for me to like make that his day. And instead I just wasn't in a place for that. I'm trying more to focus my time and build a relationship with Christ. So that way I can be more susceptible to like saying those little things of like, yeah, God is good. Like bringing up little things and dropping nuggets on people that makes them conscious of God because people want that. I mean, we got models who are beautiful. Uh, What was she? Miss America and Miss Universe or whatever. And she was a lawyer and she jumped from like what, I don't know how tall the building was, but a huge, like people who seem like they have everything together are literally taking their lives stressful out here for them. And I could not imagine. And like personal responsibility is understanding that church and our relationship with Christ is not a boys club. We need to open that up and we need to witness. Another point I wanted to point out that Mike made was recently I've been thanking God that he gave me a nose so that I can breathe with my mouth closed because silence and being quiet Mm -hmm. and just like taking things in and being reserved and observing and paying attention has been so key. There's so many times where we're so quick to just say something and it's kind of like, be quiet, shut up. (laughs) Like like sometimes the Holy Ghost be catching me and be like, shut up. I'll be ready to write. Stop. Don't even say nothing. Like I'll be... I've gotten so used to trying to explain myself sometimes because I feel like I'm awkward and I need to do it. And I really just don't, you don't have to say or do anything, you know, like we always trying to make the situation better. Let God make it better. Let God handle it. Just be quiet. So but anyway, those are my closing comments. Do you guys have any closing comments about the subject for move on? Sorry. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. Amen. <laughs> Grow up. I remember um, there's something they used to say. It was like, it's time for the saints to come out the milk bottle. Um, and so that's, that's very true. Like some saint, we still got some 20 year olds still drinking from the milk bottle because they have not grown up. And a lot of times, you know, when you see spiritually immature people, it's because they have been given, they, they've been allowed to be spiritually immature. You know, we've allowed, you know, allowed them space and opportunity to be spiritually immature. Folks has been saved 40, 50 years, you know, still immature, 
you know, still get pleasure out of laying somebody out in church, still get pleasure out of not speaking to somebody. And I'm talking about this is things I've seen in church. And so it's time to grow up, saints. Like, you know, time is not as long as it used to be. The death angel is running rampant through the land. Like, you know, I, I, just in 2022, I've seen so many people go out of here. You don't want to go out of here, you know, taking your last breaths on your bed, you know, because you have and and wishing you could go back and forgive somebody, wishing you could go back and get something right. And it's too late. And so it's time to grow up. It's time to grow into what if you have not, you know, reached your purpose or your destiny, it's time to do so. There's no need for you to have gotten saved in, in 64 and you still behaving like somebody that got just got saved in 2014. Like there's there's no no need for that. And and too often we've seen a lot of this happen because people have become bitter saints because they've refused to grow up. So grow up saints. And just think of how much better your life would be spiritually and naturally if we just grew up. You know, like I said, like we could be blocking our blessing from holding on for something from all those years ago. And as soon as we let it go, you see a difference or you see something happen. And it's just like, I should have been did this. And now it's just like continue. And then as people see you grow, others grow. As you know, birds of a feather. So the people you hanging around with, now, since they see you making a change and seeing you grow, now they want to make the decision to grow. And then it's just like a, you know, a ripple effect. Now everyone's growing. Now the kingdom is better. Kingdom is getting better. Now we're able to witness better, right. you know, and things like that. So it's definitely important to grow up, um, especially, you know, we've been saying this since forever, but we are literally living it in the last days and we don't want to you know, want the Lord to come back or we don't want to die and not make it just because of something so petty. And I'm speaking to myself, but it's just like, it's it's crazy what we'll hold on to. And then once we let it go, you know, how much better things would be. So that's the part I think we need to look at. Like, what can we gain from holding on to it? Nothing. <laughs> but what what can we gain from letting it go, which is a lot. That's right. so true. That is so true. Absolutely. Um, music ministry. All right, all right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. We've 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 oof. we've had a deep one on tonight. Um, this is a our portion of our service where we uh take the time to listen to and share what we've been listening to as far as music this week and something that's been blessing our spirit. That's been helping us along the way. So let's start with our guest, Sister Jet, tonight. What songs have you been listening to in your car, you know, at work, uh, uh, walking to the train state? Like, what has been blessing you? Mm. My God, I got a lot. The first one has been... That's the first one that, you know, Jesus promised that thing been speaking to me. <laughs> so I listen to that almost every day. And um, the second one 
That's a gospel choir throwback. We used to tear that song up. That's, that's, that's my speed right there. Like back <laughs> then, you know, all good. And then. Oh, let me turn that off. I get to go in here. <laughs> and then the last one. Um. Hmm. So it's been two of them. I don't know which one I want to play. So I'll just say the one I'm not going to play is a um, praise break by Corey Mickey called He Kept Me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, day, a, yeah. I'm a praise break. Pra- like, that's all I listen to all day, every day. It's like six o'clock in the morning. I'm blasting praise breaks. I love that. But uh, the third one is... So those three every single day in my rotation, like daily, keeps me going. I love it. It's my song. Yes. I'd rather have Jesus. Yes. You need that reminder. Take me day. back to 99 when I was a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, a little girl for me, but yes. <laughs> um. So speaking of Corey Mickey. He joined my playlist on today. Let the people declare. That phrase being repeated over and over, it will be all right, all is well. Like, mm. ooh, I've been resting in that. Um, More Than You'll Ever Know by Myron Butler. I'm not going to play that one, but I've been enjoying that song um, as well. And then My Rock by Kalante Gavin. that yeah that was such i'm waiting for him to actually come out with his country boy album because what where is that but kalante gavin's voice i didn't realize how much vocal range this man had it's amazing but yes those are my songs for this week so uh first song i'm gonna play is an old song from the 80s called delivered by jeff jacob Yeah, that was delivered by Jeff Jacob. Um, the next one I'm going to play is called We Have Come to Worship by Pastor Lamar Simmons and the Love and Faith Community Church Choir. It 
that was it. There's no hymn of the week this week. Uh, we'll pick up with the hymn of the week next week. We're gonna turn this part of the service back over to Brother Brown. Amen, amen. So, um, do we have any closing remarks, uh, prayer requests, anything else that needs to be said? We will be praying for the Ukraine. Um, but with that being said, everybody's hands lifted. May the Lord watch. May the Lord watch between me and thee. Between me and thee. While we are absent. While we're absent. One from another. One from another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love somebody, y'all, and please grow up. Amen. My life was church and all it. I'm a pew baby.